The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Amen. Church, let's take our Bible and turn to the New Testament Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter number 6. Marvelous singing, marvelous songs. Thank all the men too for singing the Lord's Prayer for us today. You wouldn't know this, but by coincidence, we're actually going to look at the Lord's Prayer today. Isn't that amazing how the songs just fit right with the text? Matthew chapter number 6. Normally, I wouldn't have you stand for the reading of the Word of God, but since they sang the Word of God to us, I'll let you be seated. Matthew 6, and uh, let's bow for a word of prayer together today. Uh, Father, we love you and thank you for your kindness. We acknowledge the fact that you are alive and well, that the Father is decreeing all things, that He is supreme in power and sovereignty and glory. We recognize the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who the second person of the Godhead came into this world and lived a sinless and perfect life, went to the cross of Calvary, died there for the sins of those who would believe upon Him, raised on the third day in bodily resurrection, ascended into heaven and is coming again and gives eternal life for those who believe. We thank You for the Spirit of God who is with us in the very presence this morning, that you're with us in our lives inside of our very human bodies and you are in the sanctuary with us right here in the space that is around us. And so to our God, we say all glory be to you. We praise you. We love you. And we thank you for what you've done already in our uh, Sunday school hour and in this time together. And now through your word, I pray that you would strengthen us and help us. We pray that if there's somebody here today who is lost and undone without Jesus, that you would work on their life and bring them to redemption. We pray for the rest of us, that in our lives we would be nudged and moved a little bit more toward the image of Christ Jesus. And we will thank you for it, for it is in your name we pray, amen. Just thinking a little bit about uh, such uh, good music today, and uh, in the place and the space of life where I am right now, uh, I wake up most mornings and I have a song that's on my mind, but it is nowhere near as beautiful as the music that you heard today. My, the, when I wake up every morning, I generally wake up humming this, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Now, Connie corrects me at the end because I say, now I've said my ABCs, may I have a cookie, please? Connie says I'm supposed to teach the boys, now I've said my ABCs, next time won't you sing with me? But that's nowhere as good as a macadamia nut cookie, you know what I mean? Well, that's ABC, everybody in this room knows your ABCs. That is, unless you're standing in in front of a group of people and trying to say it, then you might forget one or two. 
And you might think here today, say, well, that is so elementary, that's so little, but isn't the, the ABCs are the building blocks of all language, in the English language for us at least, you need to know the letters of the alphabet in order to put together words and sentences and communicate, and, and it's a great part of, uh, of our whole society and our culture together, and all of literature, in fact, great works are written, and uh, great songs and lyrics are spoken, and all of that is built upon the ABCs of our English language, and yet sometimes we take them for granted unless we see them in some wonderfully laid out plan. I think when we come to a text like this today, if we're not careful, we consider this to be the ABCs of prayer, and we put that on the back burner as if somehow in our prayer life or our discipleship life that we have moved much farther beyond the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, hey listen, for all of my non-Baptist people this morning, and my Baptist people too, why don't you do a good exercise and say this with me today. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And brothers and sisters, I would say to us that today that this prayer here that the Lord Jesus lays out for His disciples when they say, teach us to pray, this is the ABCs of our prayer life and of our discipleship life. But if we don't nail this down and if we don't work from this and if this isn't a, a very common place in our own prayer life, then I would say that we are missing discipleship. You see, this year in the life of our church, we have a lot of things going on that would constitute discipleship. Our ladies' uh, seminars have already begun, and, and they had a good time, and they're growing and learning, and there's many more of those to come. And we want to grow in the Word of God and grow in the study of the Scripture. Amen? All the ladies say amen. Gentlemen, there's coming this study here on the 27th thing to sign up and then starts in February. And we, we don't want to just be a fan. We want to be a follower of Christ. We want to be committed to what He wants. And so we want to study God's Word and we want to study how to live the right life. Amen, gentlemen? Alright. Uh, later on this year, you know, we, we have, uh, probably have an opportunity, uh, to do financial peace here. Uh, some other folks have approached me about in the summer, uh, holding a, a Sunday night, uh, uh, study. And there'll be other avenues like that. And you know, Sunday school, if you're, and by the way, here's a little time out. If you're not involved in a Sunday school class regularly, you need to be involved. That is the largest discipleship program of our church. We do a lot of other things, but we have corporate worship service and we have Sunday school classes so that you can get plugged in, listen to good teaching, have an interaction, pray, and get close with those people and actually be kind of a mini church within a church. And so we want you to be involved in Sunday school class. But I would say to us today as we think about discipleship, whether it's Sunday school class or a seminar or a Bible study or another kind of study or all of the things that you may be involved in. We have BAC that meets here on Monday nights and Tuesday mornings. Many of you are involved in BSF, others in M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E studies. You guys got all kinds of studies. But here's what I would say to you today. and Hopefully this is not just a punch in the nose, but I hope that spiritually it is for you today. You see, if you do all of that study and you don't grow in your prayer life this year, you have not grown as a Christian. 
fundamental to the Christian human nature is correspondence with God. You see, prayer is communication with God about what you're doing together in His great kingdom. And so, I just want to take a minute here and I'll work through the prayer and give you some points. But on the front end, I want to challenge you a little bit. And here's what I want to say. If you don't have an ongoing, interactive, good prayer life with God, it's probably because you're not doing much together with Him. Now listen, you don't have to say, oh me, because I say, oh me. It's difficult. Prayer is difficult. Right? And we want to work at it. We want to grow at it. But I would just say to us that fundamentally a good definition of prayer is communication with God about what you're doing together in His great kingdom. And God is concerned about what's going on in your life. Alright? Uh, all the way down to the minute details of changing diapers. Maybe you're not changing diapers. Maybe you're working in a garden or, or putting on a patio or doing something at your home. Maybe you're retired and you're involved in another community or maybe you're at work or maybe you're at school and you're accomplishing things. Whatever it is where you're like, God is involved down to the very minute details of your life. And you should be communicating with Him about what you're doing together for Him in His great kingdom. And when we have a lack of prayer in our life, it demonstrates that we have a lack of doing things and living life with God. In fact, many of us in our lives, we use the language of, I want to do things for God, rather than using the language of, I want to live life with God. And there's a huge change in that. We certainly want to do things for God and His kingdom. We want to win our neighborhood to Christ. And we want to see people discipled. We want to grow in those areas. But we want to do life with God alongside of Him. Him in us and with us and for us. And I I just want to lay in your lap this year to say, in all of the areas that we speak about discipleship, our Sunday schools, our men's and women's uh, uh, Bible studies, uh, other opportunities that will come up this year, in all of that, even what you do privately, if you're not growing in your prayer life, what are you really growing in? And, uh, and just so you, just so you know that your pastor is in this same bucket with you, right? This is, feel weird being up here. This is not me speaking down to you. It's me putting my arm around you and us all working at this together. So I love Bible study. In fact, if I have a, if I have a pot of coffee and some, uh, some of that, uh, Almond Joy creamer. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about now. I study, I, I study the book of Philippians all day. I love Greek verbs and tenses. I like to, I like giving, and, and that is worship and growth. And you need that. You need that. Ladies, that's why you're going. You need to grow in that. But if our Bible study doesn't produce in us a desire to communicate and pray and talk with our God, then it's not accomplishing what it's supposed to. You see, the Bible moves upon our heart and works in us and through us to cause us to love God and worship Him more. 
Whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. What is the whole purpose of man? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And if your Bible study isn't causing you to be in relationship and pray and talk with Him and yield your life over to Him and communicate with Him about what's going on in your life and in your world and in your church and be involved in what He's doing, if there's not something that is connecting your Bible study to your relationship with Him, in prayer, then I would just simply ask all of us, what are we really doing? Because there's another passage of Scripture that says knowledge puffs up. And if all we're doing is learning more and more factual knowledge, but we're not in communication with the one who loves us, then we're not really growing. So I take us to this portion of Scripture today. And for the rest of the year, I want to ask you to do some practical things with the Lord's Prayer. I want you to grow in your individual prayer life, and I want our church to grow in our corporate prayer life. So let me talk through this prayer just, uh, just in a few minutes. Of course, we have the Lord's Supper in a little while. So they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. Here, let me, uh, I had a bunch of notes, but let me just talk to you because it's better. I, I just, this is this passage means a lot to me. Um, this is this is how I do. People ask me where, how do you do your devotions in the morning, and and uh, I, I've read so many things. I do so many things. You do whatever works for you. But after a while, I heard so many voices coming in that I had to shut all the doors and just find something that was simple in a busy life with two little children that I could do and make work. And I've been working through this prayer for a long time, and, and so I just want to share some things with you from it today more as a family and to help you in your devotional life and in your discipleship life, the ABCs of this prayer. First of all, they say, we teach us to pray, and that's the hard attitude of every genuine believer. Now, I want to ask you right now in your own life, would you answer this question? Do you have the attitude that looks to Jesus and looks to the Father and looks to the Spirit and in your heart, maybe not verbally, but in your heart, say, Lord, I want to, I want to pray. I want to know more about that. I want to talk with you. I want to communicate with you. How do I pray? Will you teach me to pray? I want to encourage you right now where you are. Just ask the Lord to give you that kind. Maybe you're here and you say, man, I, I don't have that attitude. Why don't you just say, Lord, help my want to to be right? I just want to, I want to learn how to pray. Do you have that attitude? Lord, sometimes when I pray, nothing happens, and so I get tired, and I want to do something that's more tangible. I want to read or do this or do that or all these kinds of things, but I want to learn. I want to know what is this thing about communication with you? What is this thing about prayer? And they teach us to pray, and Jesus answers. And let me just let me begin walking through this together with you. The first thing I would say, if you're taking notes, let me maybe give you this word, an invocation. Yeah, that's just a big word to say this. Here's how to prepare for prayer. Our Father in heaven. First point I would make to you is learn how to prepare to pray. Our Father in heaven. Notice, first of all, from those words together, that it doesn't say my Father. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying, my Father, this morning when I woke up, I walked right through the Lord's Prayer. I said, my Father is in heaven, hallowed be your name. I want you to pray on an individual and a personal level. But notice that when Jesus gives that, He doesn't say my, He says, our Father. 
You see, this is a community prayer. It's a church prayer. It's for all of us in here together. And here's the wonderful thing. If you'll learn the ABCs of the Lord's Prayer, do you know that there are thousands, if not millions of people around the world that are Baptist and from all other stripes that are faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ and they begin their prayer, Our Father in Heaven. This is not just my Father, it's our Father together as a church. And so when you begin to pray, you're praying as our Father, and you instantly understand that this is not just, the world is not just about Steve Tillis. The world is about everyone who believes in Christ. That we belong to a larger community. And as soon as you begin to pray that, you'll understand that that prayer is not just about you, but it's about your friends who are believers in Christ. It's about your extended family and your immediate family. It's about your church family. Our Father in heaven. And then notice what he says. Our Father. This is how we prepare. We first of all understand that this is a community. It's a church prayer. It's for us together. Our Father. It doesn't say our boss. It doesn't say our whatever. It says our Father. You see, there is a paternal or paternal or a familial accent here to the prayer that it draws us into the family and it says, hey, that's our Father. That's our Dad. That's the one who loves us and cares for us. That's the one who created all of the world and put us here on it. That's the one that cares. And so when we begin to pray in our life, you have to prepare yourself for prayer by noticing, first of all, this is not just about me, but about all of us together as believers. And when we pray, I'm not praying to some distant being, some Greek God out there in another planet. I'm praying to the very God and the very Father of all things. It's our Father. Our Father in heaven. Isn't that a wonderful contrast there? You see, our Father draws us into the personal and the paternal side of God. And it says in heaven, we instantly understand, oh wow, He exists on a different plane. Now let me pause and teach you for a minute. When it says our Father is in heaven, our Father in heaven, that doesn't mean, now listen, there are, there are different places and that doesn't mean that God is somewhere beyond the uh, moon on some distant planet somewhere. When you say heaven here, it's talking about the space that's right around us. It's not so much a different planet as it is a different plane. God exists in the spiritual realm. The Bible says that God is spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. God is in this room now. It's not so much that He's out there beyond the stars. He's right here. He exists on a different plane. Our Father in heaven... You know what Augustine said about that? Augustine said, Our Father who is closer to us than we are to ourselves. Another way I like to say it sometimes is, Our Father who is closer to us than the air that is in our lungs. God is not out there, although He may be. God is spatially right here in this room with us. And I will hammer that... (laughs) Until I'm no longer here. Because if you will understand that and work at that in your prayer life, it will fundamentally change everything about your prayer life. Most people don't pray because when they start to pray, they've been taught all their lives and they have all of these preconceived ideas that when I get down on my knees and pray, I hope my prayers make it through the ceiling and the ventilation system and that I hope it's not cloudy 
and that there's an open sky and somehow a few of my words trickle into the third heaven. What I want you to understand is God is in you praying with you. And that's just as concrete as the building walls around us. That is just as real as the roof that needs to be replaced this week. But we don't tend to think that way. You have to work yourself into that. You have to consciously think about the fact that God is real and with us here and now. You see, you're conditioned in our, in our fallen selves to believe what you can see and to hold on to the material world, what you can see and hear and taste and touch. But that is not all there is to life. God exists in reality in the kingdom of God. And He's here right now. How do you prepare yourself for prayer this year? Our Father who is in heaven. That means that when I begin to pray, I say, Lord, the needs of my life and all who are around me, my family, my friends, my church, especially our church in terms of us thinking about discipleship as a group. Our Father, You're so good and wonderful. And maybe you're in the room today and you did not have a good relationship with your earthly father. Why don't you let the holy and wonderful healing salve of God pour over your life today and understand that no matter what your relationship was with your father, the father in heaven is good and mighty and kind. Amen? Our father here, right here. Maybe one exercise you do. This is what I, this is what I do. You, you can do your own thing. I'm just trying to give you some tips. Uh, I try and walk around most, most of the day and, uh, I'm in and out. I, I fail too, just like everybody else. But a lot of times, whenever I walk into a room, I'll just say, now, Lord, you're in the room with me. And I try, I try periodically to remind myself that God is in the same room that I'm in. Now, you may laugh at me. But if you'll go home and think for a minute, you live a majority of your Christian life not consciously reminding yourself that God's in the same room as you. You see, when you sin in secret, what you have to do subconsciously is excuse Jesus from the room. So you can go ahead and do what it is that you want to do. I just remind myself, now Lord, you're here. You're in the car with me, which changes the things that I say when I'm trying to get on 440 and nobody will let me in. Now, Lord, you're here in the same room as me as I do this. Our Father in heaven, learn to prepare yourself for prayer. Let me give you a few quick other little points. Here's the second thing. When you pray, put God's prayer requests first. So prepare yourself for prayer. And when you pray, put God's prayer requests first. Look what it says. Our Father in heaven. Notice the next three requests are all God-centered prayer requests. Hallowed be your name. The word hallowed means to treasure, to lift up, to enjoy, to adore. Hallowed be 
your name. Whenever you see that in the Bible, it speaks of more than just name. It's the personhood of somebody. There is no other name under heaven whereby you must be saved than this, Jesus Christ. It's not saying that if you just say Jesus Christ, you're saved. It's that all of the power and all of the person and all of the accomplishment in the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, He is the only one who can save. Going to all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. That is not just for us to make people get wet and say three names. No, we are baptizing them into the very Trinitarian presence of God. His person. He is alive and well. Hallowed be thy name. That is what all, that is the purpose of all of our prayer life and all of our discipleship life that we learn to hallowed and treasure and glorify and adore Jesus and the Lord. And if your prayer life begins with you, you'll never get to Him. Your prayer life should begin, hallowed be your name. I glorify you. Sometimes in my prayer life, I'm just sharing with you, sometimes I just say, Lord, I, I wish I had a better vocabulary to love you with. I think of some of our teachers in the room today and uh, some of the things I, I've seen them do and I think even my own wife, she's good with the language and stuff. And, I, you know, I'm just a knucklehead guy. I, I, I'm not a Don Juan. I have to learn to, to, to love my wife and say words of affirmation and get all the things that I should say, you know. I talk to the Lord sometimes. Lord, I, help me to have a better vocabulary to love you with. You know how I, you know how I work on that? I try and use Scripture to pray with because Scripture already adores God and it is the Holy Word, right? So sometimes I'll just read a psalm and, and, and I'll just read the praises back to Him. Learn to adore God. Learn to hallowed His name. Hallowed be Your name. What's the second one? Your kingdom come. What is, what is the kingdom? It is the range of one's effective will where what He wants done is done. He's the king, not me. He's the king, not you. Your kingdom come. What does that mean? Just think about a kingdom. Your government, your policies, your politics. So I'm not worried about, I'm not, I'm not worried about all of our fallen government and politics. I want his politics and his government and his love and his policies and his society to come to bear in my life and all around the entire world. Right? We want him to be the king. Because he always does right. Your kingdom come. Not, not who follows my, my set of standards, but your kingdom come. What's it say next? Your will be done. I want God's will to be done. Now, isn't that the hardest one? Because most of us in this room, we want our own will to be done. Why don't you begin by having God-centered prayer request? Lord, I want to treasure You. I want to adore You. I want to worship You. I want Your kingdom to be established in my heart and all around the world. And I want to bend my will and be submissive to You so that what You want done is done in my life. Your kingdom come, Your will be done. Where, folks? On earth as it is in heaven. 
You see, the only place in the entire world where God's will and kingdom is not carried out is in your heart and mine. All of nature and every ocean and every star and every galaxy does exactly what He wants it to do every time. And for reasons that I'll never know and you'll never know, God decided to create humanity with the capability to shake their fist in His face and send His Son into the world to die for those kind of people so that He could draw us to Himself, break us of our sin, pour His loving salvation in us, give us His Spirit, and help us to live in accordance with His will. Is that not a fantastic and wonderfully true story of the Scripture? God wants His will to be done in your heart today. I better move quickly. Those three God-centered requests, all of your prayers ought to begin that way. Now look, I'm not creating a legalism for you. I'm just simply setting a template, a model, right? You don't have to pray the Lord's Prayer exactly every time, but you ought to have these kind of things in there. You prepare yourself for prayer and you put God first in your prayer life. Let me tell you, let me tell you the three times it'll be very hard for you to do that. When you have a great need on your heart. When somebody's in the hospital or you're sick or cancer comes, when there is something pressing, when, when, when something is so needful for your life, you will want to begin by just going to that prayer request first. I want to urge you to begin even when you need something greatly with adoration of God and His kingdom and His will. It will disturb you. you. You'll want to slide by it. You'll want to move straight from that to what you need. And there is a place for request. We'll get to that in a moment. But when you need something greatly, adore God greatly. And what He'll do is He not only will work in the situation upon which you need, He will work in your heart to accept whatever comes. And He will jerk you rightly so that the need that you have that is so central to your life, you will begin to see that not as the center of life, but a part of the great whole of what God is doing in your life and in the world. Another time when you'll want to move away from adoring God first is when you have sinned deeply. As a believer, when you have sinned deeply, you'll want to begin with confession. Oh God, I, I can't even begin to worship You and praise You and talk about Your kingdom and Your will. Look at who I am and look at what I've done and look at this. I must confess this first in order to be able to adore You. I want to encourage you, believer, don't do that. Begin, when you're under deep conviction of your sin, begin by adoring God and worshiping Him and praising Him and acknowledging His kingdom and His will. Why? Because what God will do is take a dagger and drive it into your spiritual heart and twist and twist and twist. And He will remind you of how wonderful He is 
and how glorious He is and how much His kingdom should come to bear and what your life would have been like had you done His will and not your own will. And it will remind you in your heart of how wonderful God is and the screws and the vice that He puts you in will be even deeper so that when you come to confession, it's not so much a quickie where you sweep it under the rug. I'm sorry for that. First John 1, 9, I confess my sins and off we go. No, you'll hurt deeply. And when you confess and experience the forgiveness of God, you'll rejoice greatly too. Another time where you'll be tempted is when you're in great fear and anxiety. Great fears and anxiety will drive you to move to a request-centered prayer first. Oh God, you got to do that. And you'll eat your nails up and chew everything and have ulcers in your stomach. And you, know, you think, it's, well, I don't know what's going to happen. What if I lose my job? What if I don't have any money? What if, the, what if, what if, what if, what if? And you're playing out all of these scenarios in your mind. Right? When that comes upon you, begin by acknowledging God in His grandeur, and glory, His kingdom, and His will. And God will calm your heart and remind you of who is in absolute control of the world. And He'll give you the capability to trust Him and rest in Him. And your prayers from there on out will be prayed in faith rather than in fear. The next comes three human-centered prayers. But I would say this. Maybe put it this down. So if we do God-centered prayers, maybe do this. Prayer for the practical priorities. Right? Three P's together. Prayer for the practical priorities. Look what he says. Right on the heels of saying, Your will be done, he says, Give us today our daily bread. Provision. Provision. For today. That doesn't mean that you can't pray through your calendar and your years and your weeks. It just simply means that it's a reminder that in the present moment, God is real and He will take care of you today and give you everything that you need for today. So pray for today. In the Old Testament, when God gave the manna, He said, I want you to pick up enough for today, not for tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. It has enough worries of its own. Worry about today. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Go to God for what's going on today in your life. Practical priority provision. Walk yourself through this day. Lord, I'm going to see this person and talk with that person. I have this and this and these tasks. Pray through them and ask God's provision for that. What does he say next? Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, here comes the tough one. Pray for pardon and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. This is the one request in this prayer that if you were to look at the entire section, Jesus goes back and touches on this in the last of the section. It's very important to Jesus that you forgive others. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Brothers and sisters, 
I don't care what kind of theological conceptions you have, the forgiveness of God is tied to forgiveness of other people. If you will not forgive people, it is in part an evidence that you should check to see whether you yourself are a Christian. Now, I say a caveat. There have been times and places all of us in here have been hurt deeply by other people, and you can't just, you know, skippity-doo-dah right down the way. Oh, everything's okay. I Forgive and forget. I understand that there are deep, deep hurts. The issue is not that you have become perfect in all of your forgiveness. The issue is a heart attitude toward it. Father, I, 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 I cannot, I have not, I, I, I'm not at a place to forgive that person, but I want to. I know I'm wrong for not forgiving them. I know I'm wrong for my resentment and my bitterness and my anger. anger. Lord, I know that it's wrong, but I want to forgive. Open me up. Pour Your forgiveness in me. Help me, Lord. Help me to think and love and live with the person that hurt me. I know I can't do it, but I know that I need to. That kind of heart attitude is leaning in the right direction. When you ignore and put to the side and grow bitter and angry and resentful and you're okay living that way, that's evidence of a heart that hasn't been forgiven by the broken body and the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Pray for pardon. You're going to need it. You want to grow in your discipleship? You're going to need it. And uh, here's, here's the third one. Pray for protection. Right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, you might not have started there. You might think, Jesus, that's too simple of a prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I, I can think of a thousand other things that are better to pray for than that, can you? Because Jesus couldn't. Protection. You know what those verses scream? You can, you can, you can work on them until you're blue in the face, but here, here's the bottom line. Deliver us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know why Jesus prays that? Because on your own, you'll fail every time. You'll fall into temptation and you'll sin. And it's a child's prayer. And guess what? Your children too. It's a child's prayer. Hey, Lord, I am so messed up in my soul that if, hey, can you just keep me from any bad today? Please, is it, Lord, keep me from all evil and all temptation. Please set a bubble of protection around me because if I bump into temptation, I'm going to fail. You ever, did you pray like that this week? Did you pray every day? Say, Lord, don't let any temptation or evil come my way. I beg of you, because if, if it comes, I'm going to mess up. I just know it. I know me. I'm going to mess up. Will you please? You should pray like that. You should pray like it as a child. Daddy, I don't want anything bad to happen to me today. Are you, are you too advanced to pray that way? There are times in God's sovereign will that He sees fit that we do go through temptations and trials and tough times and heartaches and temptations and we face the evil one. And He's there. And He'll help you. And He'll provide a way of escape and He'll walk through you with that. But do you pray every day as a, as a child who knows your own mistake 
prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Won't you just say in your own heart that that's who you are? And when you pray, say, Lord, protect me. And, and as you're protecting me and keeping me from evil and bad stuff, will you build up my heart and my, and my life and make me more like Jesus so when the bad stuff does come, I'll respond like He would respond? When you pray, last part, we'll finish. When you pray this year, you, you prepare yourself to pray. You pray God-centered prayer requests. You pray for these practical priorities in your life. And then I would say that you pray in confidence based in Christ. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Doesn't he go back and touch on that? For thine is the kingdom. What did he say at the beginning? When you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. You see, our prayer request is to say, God, bring your kingdom to bear all over the planet. And at the end of the prayer, he says, it is coming. I want you to pray for it. I want you to live on it. I want you to go out there and share the gospel with everybody and live on kingdom mission with God. I want you to pray that my kingdom and my will be done all over the world. But at the end of the prayer, he says, for thine is the kingdom. It's a prayer to begin with and it's a certainty at the end. God is going to establish His kingdom. For thine is the kingdom and the power. Oh man, we have daily needs we sin and we need forgiveness and we need protection from the evil one. And guess what? As you're praying to Him, He has the power to deliver on those promises. My dear friend, whatever sin you are facing in your life right now, He has the power to break it. Mine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Oh, that's an echo of where we began, isn't it? Our Father in heaven, hallowed, glorified, worshipped, treasured, be Your name. For His is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, people. Amen. So let it be. My encouragement to you this year is to be involved in every study you can, grow in the Word, grow, share the Gospel, grow in our service, be part of all that we're doing. But in your Christian life, why don't you go back to the ABCs of the Lord's Prayer and just begin to walk through it. Give me two minutes. I'll tell you a couple of little practical things along the way. So in my life, you don't have to do this. I'm telling you, learn what works for you. But in my devotional life, in the morning time, when I, when I wake up, sometimes even before I've had coffee, I just pray through the Lord's Prayer. And so maybe this year you might want to memorize it if you don't know it. And I'll just, I'll just pray. Our, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And sometimes I'll go back, and I learned this from Martin Luther. It's not new to me. Martin Luther would often pray for three hours. I was like, man, I could never pray three hours. You know what he did? He would just go back to the Lord's Prayer, and he would say this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord, help me to live a life that glorifies your name today. 
in some small way, help James and Luke, even though they can't understand everything, help them to grow up in an atmosphere where your name is glorified. Lord, help my wife in the way that she mothers and the way she lives and in our interaction. Help us as a family to hallowed your name. May your name be treasured in this house more than anybody else's name. Now, Lord, the church, I'm going to go this morning, have Sunday school, I'm going to meet people, we're going to have corporate worship service and take the Lord's Supper. Whoever's there today, help the people of Emmanuel to hallowed your name, to worship you. Lord, when they go into their work this week or when they go to school, and their life is bombarded by a thousand things, help them to remember a little more this week that your name is more glorious than every other name that is vying for their attention. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Oh Lord, the man that's talking to you right now is so bent on his own way. Break my way and make it into yours. Touch the lives of my family, so-and-so, and so-and-so. Move in their lives. Break their wills and make it yours. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, my voice hurts a little bit this morning. I pray that you'd help me to make it to the end of the service. Lord, I have to talk with some folks today about some things. Lord, we have some decisions to make today. In this day, help us. I'm trying to model that for you. Now listen, you can pray like that and look up at your clock and 10, 15 minutes later you prayed, you haven't even made it past the first two or three. Learn to pray the Lord's Prayer. Memorize it. Pray it. Sing it. Learn to pray in these categories. Even if you don't use the Lord's Prayer, put God's request first and yours second and then pray in confidence. I'll tell you this, I probably used more of my family today than I have any other sermon, but um, some of my friends here know when I uh, rock James at night for put him to bed, I sing this verse to him. I won't sing it for you, but it says, uh, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and find him there who made an end to all my sin. Listen to this. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. Now somebody who had mastered the ABCs of the English language arranged those lyrics into a beautiful, wonderful, rich song. If you want your Christian life to grow in all of the discipleship, learn to pray. And God will put those ABCs of your prayer life into a most beautiful and rich life. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? <laughs> heads are bowed. My friends, I know most of you here today, many of you have been serving the Lord as long as I have or longer. I just want to encourage you. Don't, uh, don't push the Lord's prayer off to the side. Don't think that you've exhausted everything in it. Use it as a template this year in your prayer life. Grow in prayer this year. 
and you'll grow in your Christian life. Let me have a word of prayer for us as I'm praying. Our deacons will come get in place as we transition into the Lord's Supper. Our Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. We thank you for teaching your disciples and beyond that, teaching all of your disciples who are here today to pray. And so we ask that this year, Lord, I know that it's difficult. Help us to grow in the sweetness, the goodness of our relationship with you in our prayer life. And we will love you and thank you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.